Good to see each and every one of you today. God bless you. Uh, thank you for being here. So glad to see all of you in our online campus as well. God bless you for being there. Those of you who will listen to the podcast, I know we got podcast listeners all over the world. God bless each and every one of you as well this Christmas season. This is our third uh, message of our Advent uh, series, and today we're going to light the candle of joy. Now, uh, I want to thank Julia Paulino. Is that correct? Yes. Just wave your hand, Julia. Now, Julia and her husband, Edward, they've come and they've joined us, and they are serial church planters. Now, there are serial entrepreneurs who start many businesses. They have started many churches in many parts of the world, and the Lord led them to move back to the Bay Area. They planted a church in Redwood City. They planted a church in San Francisco. They moved to New York, planted a church in New York. They planted churches in the Dominican Republic. They're from the Dominican Republic, and they are free Methodist pastors as well, and uh, they've come to join us, and we're so thankful. I had lunch with her husband on Tuesday, and just marvelous, marvelous, marvelous. So thankful. But Julia made this Advent wreath for us. She said, if you're going to do Advent, you got to do it right. <laughs> now, we should have lit two candles for the last two weekends. We're going to light those candles right now. And then we're going to light today's candle before I preach this message today. So let's see. You can tell I never smoked before. First candle that we lit was from the first Sunday. This is the candle of hope. And then second candle from last Sunday was the candle of love. Today, we're going to light the candle of joy. And next Sunday, we're going to light the candle of peace. And then on Christmas Eve night, we're going to light the final candle and complete our Advent series. So today... We're going to talk about the candle of joy. I'm going to read a passage of scripture to you in, scripture to you in Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 45. Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 45. This is what it says. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Father, I pray today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would truly light the candle of joy in our hearts today. And for some of us, that candle needs to be relit because the cares of this world have extinguished it. So light that fire again, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Mary and Elizabeth, this passage of scripture speaks of a meeting between Mary and Elizabeth. They were related. They were cousins. They were both pregnant. Elizabeth's pregnancy was six months ahead of Mary's, but in actuality, Elizabeth's pregnancy was probably 40, 30, 40 years behind Mary's. 
The thing about Mary and Elizabeth is they represent two different extremes. Elizabeth was pregnant way too late. Mary was pregnant way too early. You ever thought God would do something for you in your 20s? And then you find yourself in your 40s and 50s and he still ain't done it? You ever thought God would do something for you in your 30s and it happens when you're 18? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, just think about it. You, 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 we all know people who had a kid too early. I wasn't expecting to have a kid. I wasn't trying to have a kid, but here comes the kid. And what do you do when the kid comes early? You love the kid. Even if it's not the best circumstances, even if it's not the ideal situation, you love the kid. And when the kid comes too late, what do you do? You love the kid. Elizabeth was late. Mary was early. Here's the thing that we tend to do. We look at, especially if you're one of the folks who are late, you look at the folks who are early and you envy them. And if you're one of the folks who are early, you look at the folks who are late and you envy them. Because no matter what it is that you got, what somebody else has got is better. Elizabeth, you're so lucky. I'm 16 years old, and here I'm pregnant. I'm in the worst situation imaginable. I'm pregnant with a child that didn't come from a man. My husband thinks I stepped out on him. The whole community scorns me. Mary in the natural was in a negative situation. But when she walks in the room, joy explodes on the inside of Elizabeth. That is, something happens by the power of the Holy Spirit in Elizabeth when Mary walks in the room. What's happening in you is different than what's happening in me, but because what's happening in you is of God and what's happening in me is of God, then what's happening in me has the capacity to rejoice in what's happening in you, even though we're different. Meaning, even though I wanted what you, I really wish I could have had a kid when I was your age but I didn't get that. But you know what? I can still rejoice with you. The candle of joy is about learning how to rejoice in what God is doing in other people. In other people who get what you didn't get. Learning how to rejoice in what God has given to somebody else, even though what he's given to that somebody else is not what he's given to you, but learning to be able to rejoice. And that joy that transpires on the inside of you when you see what God does in somebody else's life, even though he didn't do it for you, but you're still rejoicing in it, that's a sign that God is doing something on the inside of you. Because the only way you can rejoice in what God is doing in somebody else is if you can connect with what God is doing in you. Notice what Elizabeth says. The moment, you, the moment I heard the sound of your greeting, the babe in my womb leapt for joy. Yeah. Not I leapt for joy, the babe in my womb leapt for joy. Meaning the thing that God put on the inside of me started leaping for joy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The work of the Spirit of God on the inside of me started leaping for joy the moment I heard the sound of your greeting. Jealousy is a sign that you are disconnected from what God is doing in you. Envy is a sign that you are ignorant of what God is doing on the inside of you. Envy and jealousy mean 
that you're Elizabeth and you're pregnant with John the Baptist. You just don't know it. You're so disconnected. And I'm telling you today that God is doing something on the inside of you. The only question is, are you aware of it? Can you see it? Can you hear it? Can you feel it? Are you connected to what God is doing on the inside of you? Listen, you will never light the candle of joy in your life until you begin to identify and connect with that babe on the inside of you, that thing that God has put on the inside of you that's alive, that living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You, that's where your joy is found, that he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. That he's not done with me yet. That what he's doing in me still lives. And because what he's doing in me still lives, I can rejoice. I started trying to trade crypto, cryptocurrencies a few years ago. And it was a roller coaster for me. I went up and down. One day I'd be up twenty, thirty thousand dollars, and the next day I'd be down thirty to forty thousand dollars. I lost so much money during that time, and I made so much money during that time, and I ended up breaking even because <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. And then I saw this kid. Don't know nothing. Wet behind the ears but he made millions. Well, good for you. <laughs> He'll probably lose it anyway because he doesn't know what he's doing. And I have to fight that as soon as I feel that envy and as soon as I feel that jealousy, I have to stop and take a step back and say, whoa, 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 whoa. That's a sign of ignorance. That's a sign of ignorance. How did I become temporarily ignorant of what God is doing on the inside of me? How did I become temporarily ignorant, temporarily ignorant of what God has given to me, of, about the temporarily ignorant of the gifts that he's put in me? Listen, God put a gift in Elizabeth and God put a gift in Mary. The gift in Elizabeth was not like the gift in Mary. The gift in Mary was not like the gift in Elizabeth. But the one thing that they had in common was that both gifts were from God. If you look at other people's gifts and say there's something wrong with me because I don't have that, you're ignorant of the John that's growing in you. You're ignorant of the John the Baptist that God put on the inside of you. You need to wake up and say, listen, what he's put on the inside of me is just as viable, just as precious, and just as powerful. Every, listen, I feel this, I feel this every day, that it's such a privilege to be me. And when I see what God is doing in other people, even if I feel envy sometimes, I step back and say, but I'd still rather be me than you. And that's not a knock on you because you should still rather be you than anybody else. And if you would rather be anybody else than you, you don't know what a gift you are. You don't know how powerful what God's put on. Listen, there's something on the inside of you that nobody else has. There's stuff growing in you that God hasn't given to anybody else. I was listening to a psychologist this last week, and he, he, he made this statement, which really is an outgrowth. It's a psychological application of Heraclitus' philosophical premise, which is that all of reality is in a state of flux. Heraclitus was the guy who said you can't step in the same river twice. You step in the river, you step out. The river you step in next is a different river because the river you stepped in the first time is down there. Yeah. And this psychologist said no two children have the same parents. 
He says, you have one child, and that first child has a particular set of parents. By the time those parents, those same parents have the second child, they're different. They're not the same parents the first child had. The second child doesn't know what it's like to have parents who don't know what they're doing. The parents are a little older, a little bit more patient, a little bit more gracious, a little bit less attentive. And the third child has a completely different set of parents. The third child grows up, grows up in a completely different family. Because the third child has no memory of what it's like not to have siblings. Not to be the most precious, delightful one in the entire family. <laughs> you know, I sometimes, I t and, and, and no, no one parent, if they have multiple children, they experience their own parenthood different with every child. Do you know that God, every single one of us, have a unique relationship with God? A unique relationship with God that only you have, which means there's a part of his heart that only you can touch. That there's a particular string in God's heart that only you can pull. And when each of us pull that string, pull our own string, there's a music that happens in a harmony. It's like a huge harp on the inside of the heart of God that's just constantly going. It's just beautiful, beautiful music happens on the inside of God. But I can never pull your string and you can never pull mine. I experience that to this day with my parents. There's a part of their heart that only I can touch. And it's not anything better than my brothers because there's a part of their, their hearts that only my brothers or my sister can touch. There's a part of my heart that only my daughter can touch. Yeah. And there's a part of her heart that only I can touch. That's the uniqueness of every human being. Yeah. That's the value and preciousness of every human being. Yeah. But this is the beautiful thing. This revival that Mary and Elizabeth had, this revival of joy, was produced by infancy. There's a certain kind of joy that requires infancy. Follow me for a second. You know, we've talked a lot about childhood trauma. We've read a lot about childhood trauma. We've studied a lot about childhood trauma. We want to become more trauma-informed. We understand that every limitation to our capacity as adults is rooted in some type of trauma as a child. We understand that all of our, our native Anxiety and fear that we experience as adults is rooted in some type of trauma as a child. And there are therapeutic processes to help us identify and become self-aware. Oh, I've got this issue in the present. Now let me go back and try to figure out where in my childhood it comes from and invite the healing power of the Holy Spirit to come and heal that part of my infancy. And then I can kind of get over that anxiety and learn how to live in a more fullness of life. But do you know... I actually believe we haven't talked enough about childhood joy. Because as a child, you learned how to fear. You learned how to be anxious. And all of your current anxiety goes back to some childhood trauma. But you also learned how to be joyful. And all of your current joy somehow goes back to your childhood. That is the whole structure of your joy and your capacity to experience joy was built in you as a child. Now you can build upon that. It doesn't mean that you don't experience any other joys. It simply means that the other joys that you experience are built upon that framework that you learned in your infancy. Yeah. 
I mean, these studies have shown that when you take a baby, a newborn baby, and if you scorn that child, you will teach that child that they are a disturbance, that they're in the way, and the child does not learn how to feel joyful. But if you delight in that child in its infancy, the child learns that they are a delight. The child concludes, the infant concludes, I am a delight. Everybody who looks at me smiles. I bring joy in every room I go to. That's why, like, during our worship time on Family Sunday, the kids naturally want to run up to the platform and touch stuff and run around and make noise and jump. I am not in the way. I am not a distraction. I am a delight. And that's all they're doing is being a delight and and expressing that delight. There's no limitations, no hindrance. There's just... Delight. Do you know that there's a child in you that still knows how to feel joy? And so as an exercise, just for myself, I'm learning every time I feel joy to stop and say, where does this come from? And I go back to my childhood and I remember, oh, this is where this comes from. I was walking up a particular street in San Francisco a few years ago. I was going to visit somebody in a hospital in San Francisco. And as I was walking up a particular street, just a little, little gust of wind just blew over me. And all of a sudden I felt this joy. This joy came over me, and I was like, where did this come from? And then I remember, all of a sudden, I flashed back, and I remembered walking up this same street as a little boy with my dad and my two brothers. And I remember my brother Charles, just a little guy, just running, and he was wearing an A's fit, the A's hat, and the A's shirt, you know, shirt and the A's pants, and dad was smiling. Come on, boys, and we were running up visiting one of my dad's friends on that street, and I realized, wow, this street brings me joy because it reminds me of a, a moment of joy that I had with my brothers and my dad when I was just a little boy. There's a structure to my joy. I remember just a couple of weeks ago, my daughter and I were driving up over the Kirker Pass and we had our windows open and it was a beautiful day and the sun was shining and there was a little breeze coming through. And as we came up over the top of the Kirker Pass, this little wind hit me and I felt this joy. And I remembered way back in the day being in the car with my dad and my brothers and my dad would say, blow out. And he'd roll down all the windows in the car and we would just scream because the wind was blowing so hard and we would just laugh. And it was the most delightful thing. And I realized That the joy of my infancy, the joy of my childhood, is still in me. I haven't forgotten it. Your brain never forgets it. The problem is we tend to focus on our trauma and fixate on the memory of it. And we forget our joy. The thing that brought me the greatest joy in childhood was the Christmas season. Every year at my church, they did this whole drama production called The Christmas Dream. And it was glorious. Nobody in our church went out of town for Christmas. Visited their mama's church for Christmas. Nobody. Why? Because it was just too good. You didn't want to miss it. And the kids, if you missed Christmas, The Christmas Dream, your kids literally would never forgive you. It was that good. And we started rehearsing for the Christmas dream in October. I loved every rehearsal. I loved every song. I love, and I remember one rehearsal of the Christmas dream. I was probably nine or 10 years old. I was up in the balcony at our church and the, the, they were rehearsing and the lights were going and the, the choir was singing and the orchestra was playing. And I just stood there and I just cried. It was just so joyful. 
I was just so happy. I was like, this is the most wonderful thing in the world. I'm just sitting up there just crying. Like, yeah, it's so beautiful. It's, I, was, I was just thinking, I love Christmas. I, and I thought to myself, this thought made my heart explode with joy because I thought, I get to feel this every year at Christmas time for the rest of my life. Yeah. And then I turned 11. And the first week of December, after I turned 11, my grandmother died. And I remember thinking to myself, the joy of Christmas will comfort my heart. But the joy never came. Going to the rehearsals, going to the Christmas dream, and I remember the joy wasn't there. And after the Christmas dream was over, I was so disappointed. I thought, what's wrong with me? How come I can't feel the joy? And so Christmas morning, I went and I sat down with my dad. You know, my dad called the family together that morning. Before we opened gifts, he prayed for the whole family. And he wept for the loss of his mother. And we wept with him. And then we opened presents and we laughed and we played. And we sat down for Christmas dinner later that day. And I went and sat next to my dad. And I said, Dad, every year I feel this joy at Christmas. How come I don't feel it this year? And he looked at me and said, son, your grandmother just died. I hadn't put two and two together. I didn't think the two were related. Yeah. He said, son, your grandmother just died. And that's that grieving in your heart. That's making it hard for you to feel that joy of Christmas. Yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, it'll come back next year. Yeah. And it didn't. And the next year I'm thinking, how come it didn't come back? And I thought, maybe it'll come back next year. And it didn't. And it took me a few years to realize the joy that I had as a 10-year-old, that was 10-year-old joy. I'll never be 10 years old again, so I'll never experience that joy exactly the same way again. But that joy is still in me. And I can experience it in other ways. I can experience it in more mature ways. I'll never stand in the balcony and cry because the music's so beautiful and the lighting is so clean again. That will never happen to me again, perhaps. But I can still experience the joy of this season. I can still, re I can still remember the joy that I had. And as long as I can remember the joy, I'm connected to the joy of that memory and I can celebrate the memory of the joy that I experienced and that joy that I experienced through the memory of it, can paint its pictures on my life yeah. every year. Yeah. And so to this day, there are certain moments that return me to that joy. Yeah. Not in the same way. Yeah. Moments that remind me of that joy. The smell of a real Christmas tree. Yeah. The moment I smell it, I'm transported back. We looked forward to that every year. We, my two brothers and my, my dad would say, Dad, let's go get the tree. And we would go out and we would look for the, which ones you want, boy? Which ones you want, boys? And we would pick the tree and we would tie it to the top of the car. We would drive it home. Yay, we were so excited. And the house would smell of that, that real Christmas tree smell. And that joy every year, just that joy of smelling. So every time I smell a real Christmas tree, it transports me somewhere. I, I allow myself to remember that joy. And because I remember that joy, I re-experience that joy yeah. in a different way, but it's just as real. Yeah. It's just as mature. 
Now, where am I going with this? <laughs> the great problem for us as human beings, yeah. our natural tendency is to think in mutually exclusive categories. Huh. Everything is either or. Brittany Griner is home now, and the merchant of death is released back into the world. Both are true. We can rejoice in the one and grieve the other simultaneously, but our hearts don't want to do that. Our hearts want to pick one reality and fixate on it. Two realities. I lost my grandmother at Christmas. Yeah. And Christmas is the most joyful time of my life. Yeah. Both are true. The fact that I lost my grandmother during Christmas means every time I come into the Christmas season, my heart remembers that grief. Yeah. And I remember her. And my heart remembers the joy of the season. I can grieve and rejoice at the same time. But the joy is in the infancy. This is what I'm getting to. Psalm 51. In Psalm 51, David is repenting. In Psalm 51, David is mourning and grieving. I think that's the psalm where he repents for the sin of Bathsheba. He did some messed up stuff. And he prays in verse 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God and renew a right spirit within me. Yeah. Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord. Take not thy Holy Spirit unto me, from me. And then he says in verse 11, restore, or verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Yeah. Joy is located in salvation. The infancy of your faith. The moment where you were born again, not of corruptible but incorruptible seed through the word of God which lives and abides forever. When you were transformed, renewed in the spirit of your mind. When, when, when you came to faith in Jesus and that new birth experience transpired. When you got saved, joy transpired. What you learned in the infancy of your faith was how to rejoice in the Lord. How to experience the joy of the Lord. But what tends to happen is that that joy in the infancy of your salvation, it gets buried beneath a sea of grief and disappointment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of disillusionment. Of despair. Where the stuff that I thought God would do, he didn't do. And the stuff that I thought he would never allow to happen to me has happened to me. And now I'm in a, a, a teenage pregnancy. Or now I'm in my 60s and I'm pregnant with a child. Which I ain't got no business being pregnant in my 60s. I'm either Mary or Elizabeth. Both of them had no business being pregnant. And both of those situations are situations in which God allowed something that I never thought he would allow. That's where disappointment comes from. Where stuff I thought God would do, he didn't do. And stuff I thought he would never allow, he allowed. Yeah. And so the infancy of my salvation, the joy that comes from that, is buried under a sea of despair and grief and disappointment and disillusionment. Yeah. 
And so David, in one of the worst moments of his life, where he did something he never thought he would do, something completely out of character for him, where he failed in the worst way, he says, God, I can't find joy in my current situation, but I know that in the infancy of my salvation, that same joy is there, so restore it to me. Restore to me the joy. That's the prayer that we need to learn to pray. God, I can't find joy in my present circumstance. It's too bad, but I got saved one day, and your joy is still there, so return to me that joy. Teach me how to go back in my memory to the childhood of my faith, to the infancy of my faith, to that moment where I first believed. Take me back to the place where I first believed you, where I learned to rejoice in you. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Because let me tell you something. If you truly got saved, the joy of the Lord is on the inside of you. It may be buried, but it's on the inside of you. And this is the crazy thing about the joy of the Lord. If we take this candle that I just lit, the candle of joy, and if I start throwing stuff on top of it, it's going to extinguish that candle. This is what the enemy tries to do. He takes disappointment and throws it on top of that candle of joy. He takes discouragement and throws it on top of that candle of joy. He takes hardship and tosses it on top of that candle of joy. He takes disappointment and tosses it, and he tries to bury that candle of joy with as many layers as he possibly can, so much so that at a certain point in our life, I start to think that that candle has been extinguished. My joy is gone. You ever felt that? I used to be so joyful, but my joy is gone. But let me tell you something. Let me give you the good news. Because the gospel, if it is anything, it is good news. Remember what the angel said to the shepherds? Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all people. It is good news. Remember the the wise men, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. This is the gospel message about the joy of the Lord that should renew and restore your joy. The truth of the matter is, no matter how many layers of despair and disillusionment, and hardship and disappointment and discouragement and anxiety and fear that the enemy has thrown over the joy of the Lord, nothing the enemy can throw at you can extinguish the candle of the joy of the Lord in your heart. If you have ever experienced the joy of the Lord, it's still there. If God has ever given you joy, it's still there. All you got to do is remember it and let the Lord restore it. Come on, somebody, give God a shout of praise. I was a first-year seminary student living in Pasadena, California, broke as I could be. I was too poor to pay attention. (laughs) I was po. I couldn't afford the O and the R. And I got on my knees to pray, and I said, God, send me some money. And the Lord said, clean your room. I said, Lord, I'll clean my room later. Send me some money. The Lord said, clean your room now. My room was a mess. So I stopped what I was doing. I spent the rest of the day cleaning my room. And on the inside of one of the pairs of pants that I had that was on the floor, under a pile, there were two checks that I forgot I had been given. And there was $300 that I didn't even know I had. It was always there. It was just buried. 
always, listen, God has written you checks that are full of joy. I'm talking about wealth, the wealth of joy. It's just buried. And the word of the Lord to you is clean your room, unbury it, unbury it. You got to unbury it. The joy is there. It's just buried. You got to unbury it. You got to make a decision. I'm going to go back and I'm going to remember I had money that I forgot I had. And that's not something a poor person is supposed to have. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's not something a seminary. I felt like calling my mama saying, can you just send me a cup of milk or something? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, that's how I was at the end of my rope. I had nothing. And God said, no, no, no. You got resources you didn't know you had. You just forgot. Yeah. I tell you what, if you write me a check today, I will not forget it ever again. I made a decision. I don't, I'm not going to be forgetting checks no more. But you know what's worse than forgetting a check? Is forgetting joy, forgetting the joy of the Lord, because the scripture says that the joy of the Lord is your strength, which means that if you get disconnected from his joy, you get disconnected from his strength. And if you get disconnected from his strength, no wonder you're so tired all the time and you feel so weak all the time and you're so overwhelmed all the time. And don't get me wrong, I'm not hating on you because I experience the same thing by midweek every week. I'm so overwhelmed. My life is so out of control. And the process for me every week is to return to the joy of the Lord. Listen, if you're here today and if you're listening under the sound of my voice, either live, online, listening to the podcast later, may I say to you that if you have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there is an inheritance of joy that you are missing out on. And nothing else in this world can give it to you. Yeah. Nothing. I promise you. Yeah. But if you let him into your heart, yeah. he's going to light the candle of joy. Amen. And nothing in this world will ever be able to put that candle out again. Yeah. That is the good news of the gospel. Bow your heads with me and let's pray. Ben, if you'd come back to the piano. Father, I thank you today. I give you praise, and I give you glory, and I give you honor. I thank you that you're in this place to restore our joy. You spoke so many prophetic words about joy to your people. You shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountain and the hills shall break forth into singing before you, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. It's a promise of joy. Lord, we sang this song today during the worship. O come, all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. Yeah. Lord, for so long we've known that we need to be faithful. We just don't know how to be joyful and triumphant. Yeah. But Father, today I pray that you would add joyfulness and triumphance to our faithfulness. Amen. O come, let us adore him. When we're missing our joy, there's something missing from our adoration. I can't fully adore you unless I'm walking in joy. Father, I pray today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would uncover the candle of joy that burns in our hearts today. And that if anyone's here today who has not received you as Lord and Savior, that that decision would be made in the heart, whether it's afar or close. That anyone under the sound of my voice who has not heard you knock at the door would hear you knocking today would hear you say, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. 
So Lord, we pray today that afresh and anew, you would come into our hearts. You would light the candle of joy. You would restore it. For those of us who have walked with you for years, remind us of the joy. Some of us haven't thought about that joy for so many years. We just assumed it's, a, it's behind us. It was a part of our naivete, a part of our infancy. And then now we're mature in Christ. We've learned that the right way to walk is in anxiety and fear. Not realizing that that joy that we experienced in our infancy, that is the way that you've called us to walk. That is the inheritance that you've given us. You said the ransom of the Lord would return. They will enter Zion with singing. A crown of everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them and sorrow and sighing will flee away. Father, I pray today in the name of Jesus that you would bestow that crown of everlasting joy. Let it crown the head of each and every one of your sons and daughters today. And we give you praise for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give God a shout of praise. Listen, if you prayed that prayer today and you invited Jesus Christ to come into your life, whether you're here, whether you're online, whether you're listening to this podcast, come talk to me, come talk to my wife, come talk to any one of our leaders. If you're online, just reach out to Pastor Jamerson, our, our online campus pastor. He's right there in the chat. Let him know. If you're listening to this podcast later in the week and you've made that decision to receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, send me an email, pb at, at lineage.us, pb at lineage.us. Let me know. Let us know. Let us know. Amen? God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. May the joy of the Lord be your strength. May his favor be your shield.